The future of health coaching. Opportunity, action, impact. Brought to you by Teleosis Institute, coaching and narrative healing. Welcome to the future of health coaching online. I'm Dr. Joel Kreisberg, the executive director of the Teleosis Institute and your host. And today I am pleased to be introducing Leslie Nips, who's going to be talking to us about heart-based business transformation. Leslie has been supporting people through deep transformation for over 20 years, first as an ordained Episcopal priest, and then as a master certified NLP neurolinguistic practitioner and family consolation practitioner. She has a private healing and coaching and training practice in Oakland, California. That's where I know her from. And she's trained many leaders, including Bert and Sophia Hellinger, founders of Family Constellation Work, and Carol Erickson. Most of her business knowledge comes from working for many years with coaches at Heart of Business, especially its founder, Mark Silver. Today, we're going to talk about heart-based business transformation and your work. Leslie, welcome. Welcome. Thank you for having me today. It's really nice to be here. Thanks for asking me. Well, I'm excited because I think this is a great topic for us. And we talk a lot about coaching and you coach, but your coaching, as well as many of your other skills, is, has to do with heart-based business transformation. And yet you describe uh, your history takes you from other places. So I do want to hear how you got here to where you're doing this work. I will do my best. Everybody's journey can be like, how did I get here? But um, yeah, I, my, my first career choice was to be an Episcopal minister, and I did that for about 15 years. And as uh, many of your listeners who have either been in these roles or loved people in these roles um, will know, um, I kind of burned out on that. Um, it's very difficult work. Um, and after that, I just kind of wandered a little bit in my 30s and 40s, and I stumbled on these wonderful practices, um, neurolinguistic programming and family constellations, which are the main modalities that I make use of. And um, after learning them for a little while and feeling really touched by them in my own life, I thought, let's make a living doing this. Um, again, like your listeners who are health coaches, let's see if I can make a living doing this kind of work. Um, and I had my ups and downs as every, you know, solopreneur does, but uh, eventually I started figuring things out. Um, and that there are some ways in which um, for folks like us, um, there were some different principles about business that were really important to me and my success. Um, and, and then I got to a certain point and people started to notice I was doing okay. And they started asking me how, how, how was I doing that? Mm -hmm. And so I started teaching them and that's kind of how this uh, niche began to evolve. Uh, I had figured out some stuff and some people needed to know it. And so I just started teaching other people and that's, I, I still do the healing work as well, but this is a big part help, helping other alternative practitioners and coaches to thrive in their work is a big part of what I'm up to now. Right. Well, it's interesting because you can relate to us. We're going to just use us because we're, you know, similar, uh, you know, you could, because you have your own healing practice and you have to market that. And there's ways in which you also get to, 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 to help all of us 
as healers, because if we can see other alternative practitioners and healing practitioners succeed, you're helping everybody. I agree. Yeah. So I think it total it, it makes total sense. Of course, I could start launching into your healing practices because you know I'm a big fan of the work that you do. But we're going to try and and stay focused or focus a bit on business transformation. So you use this term heart-based business transformation. So that's a strong place, and I'm really attracted to that. Tell us what you mean. Yeah, something I've learned from some other sort of heart-based business coaches, people I really highly recommend, people like George Cow or um, Ted Hargrave or um, Mark Silver at heartofbusiness.com, um, talk about there's roughly speaking two different kinds of people who go into business there's the people people who go into business because they love business maybe they went and got an mba or they trot off to silicon valley because they're really interested in business and then there's the rest of us who find our way there via our modality first usually mm -hmm. uh, because we love coaching or we love family constellations or hypnotherapy or whatever it might be and uh, want to make this our living and then figure out, oh my gosh, now I need to know something about business mm -hmm. in order to make that work. Mm -hmm. And what a lot of people have found, what I certainly found is that there are best business practices out there that we all ought to learn. We all ought to invest in learning. Uh, but there are some things that are kind of unique to us folks. There are lots of different things to call us, but I call us heart-based practitioners, mm -hmm. alternative practitioners, people who lead in their work with their hearts uh, and want to have uh, businesses that are successful, yes, but also are high integrity, high ethics kinds of businesses. Right. So and what I hear and I love about it is that you, got, you want to be able to do both. You want to be able to do the work you love, be of service, and also be successful and have a good dollar's pay at the end of the day. And it takes a little bit. And it's also the last piece that you said I think is really useful is that it may not come naturally to people and it may not be as passionate. Uh, you know, it may be that, that you got to do that stuff in order to do what you like to do, but there are skills and there is a way that you can. So, it's interesting, you're, we're not gonna focus so much on the, on the sort of the ordinary skills, like you need a bank account. What right. are some of the pieces that, uh, you know, where I can show up in, in terms of heart-based work? Where does it come into to making a successful practice? Right, so the first thing that I often find with the people that I work with is that they've probably been exposed to more standard approaches to business. Um, which may involve uh, aggressive marketing and uh, hard sell approaches to selling. Mm -hmm. And it hasn't worked for them. And it's been very discouraging and they haven't liked it very much. Mm -hmm. uh, and the first thing we need to do is to return to the heart of the work mm -hmm. and to come and find a way to be in alignment with business that's actually in alignment with the healing work. Because there are things that are unique to folks like us that are really, really important. For one thing, we tend to have a very low tolerance for trying to do things that are out of alignment. <laughs> and so if we have business coaches or books or trainings or whatever that are telling us to do this certain kind of selling technique or this certain approach to marketing, and it's not deeply in alignment with who we are, 
we're almost certainly going to fail at it. And then, and then we'll go, what's wrong with me? And then because we tend to think psychologically about these things, we'll say, um, what's wrong with my success mindset? Mm. Which it has nothing to do with that, really. Very little to do with that sort of thing. The good thing about business is it's an art. And again, although there are best business practices, there's always another way there. That This is the really nice thing to know, that there's a billion ways, for instance, to market. You only have to do two or three of them. And you, can do, you have to do them consistently and you have to do them well, but you, that means you can choose the ones that you kind of like doing. And as uh, heart-based practitioners, we begin to exercise the muscle of doing business in a way that feels yummy to us, at least most of the time. Uh, and following models that are out there, there are lots of models that are really in alignment with us. I like that. So that so what I hear is is it's a basically a positive psychology piece. It's like you got to do the ones that work for you. You know, and I know, I mean, what image came up with what you just said is it's a lot like gardening. I mean, it's really great that you can plant all these plants, but not all of them grow where you put them. So you have to listen, and that's doing really well there. And I love those marigolds, so I'm going to grow marigolds. They're going to be really successful, whereas too sunny here, that doesn't work. So right. You're listening, and you, you don't have to grow everything. Right, you have to grow what's really going to cause your garden to be as rich and full. And what you're saying is, is that definitely do the ones that you're that resonate with you. You know, actually, I know for me, I, I just got into a big habit of doing a, you know, meeting people one on ones, lunches, and it's been really a great way of connecting to people. It's interesting when you talk to people. Um, I've had clients for whom. The go-to, because they are extroverted and they love people, is networking. Mm-hmm. It just, like, it gives them energy. It's a lot of fun. And for other people, they'll, like, they'll do anything before they do networking. Right. Like, that's fine. Find another. Find another approach um, that works for you. There is no one way to market your business. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I really, that seems to me to be very important about this group of people, because we sort of come under the heading of healers. Mm-hmm. My apologies, but the cliche is true. Um, folks like us are often doing it because we're trying to heal something big in our own lives mm. um, or possibly unconsciously trying to heal our families. Mm-hmm. Um, and we come into business with this conscious or unconscious baggage about all this stuff we need to heal. Um, And some of that stuff is often um, histories, whether personal or ancestral, with poverty or extreme financial loss or business being um, dark Mm -hmm. in some way, um, bad experiences of capitalism and consumerism. And so it's like in order to succeed in business, we have to heal the whole economy first. And it's it, sometimes for some of us, um, it feels like a deep compromise to be and do well in business while there continues to be an economy that we're not in alignment with, um, which I have a lot of sympathy for. Well, I, so, like, I, yeah, I really appreciate that idea because, I mean, I thought you were going to go to this idea that, you know, we're often we're wounded healers. And exactly. The story is part of our marketing. 
but what you did was you expanded it to a larger story that often there's there's the, there's family dynamics or generational pieces that are coming into play that we're they're not even aware of it's not just healing the actual how i learned to do what i do it's actually how am i in a bigger movement of change that i'm in part of a family i guess i, I can hear the family constellation yeah that and so I guess it would be really important just to give the, the, the sort of the, the brief version of what family constellations are so our, the, the listeners know because that's what you do for a living so it's one of your pieces so you can just tell us what family constellations are sure uh, it's very simple um, family constellations is about um, getting access to and healing for the unconscious of systems mm -hmm. um, usually family systems but not limited to that um, and so, it, like any systemic thinking, um, whether you're a chiropractor or a cranial sacral therapist, you think systemically about the body. This thing's systemically about the larger holes that we are part of, whole, W-H-O-L-E. And um, uh, in, the, in the context of this conversation, what does it mean to be and do well in our businesses in a larger context in which there is so much inequality um, and uh, brokenness yes. around wealth and in uh, our larger economy. And usually there's two approaches that are taught about this. Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't like either of them. And I don't think they tend to help folks like us. Mm -hmm. uh, one of them is just to rail against capitalism and never compromise. And I will be pure and poor. <laughs> Um, and then the other side is, um, you know, you just need a prosperity mindset. There's no such thing as limitation or lack. Um, and money is just energy and you can have as much of it as you want. Mm -hmm. Which to me, what that does is it ignores the world we live in, right. um, in a very fundamental way that's important to our hearts. Mm -hmm. And so we're invited into this this place of great maturity, this is a big part of what Family Constellations is about, is acknowledging and honoring what is, and then, and then kind of bowing to it with respect, and then saying, and I wish to be well in the midst of this. And I, and I will do it in honor of all this. What does it mean to be able to stay in service and be well, um, and uh, trust that you can be in alignment with your integrity and your values about all this, um, while still acknowledging that, wow, our world is not set up real well for or around a lot of these issues. Mm. I love that. I, I'm glad you got to the word honor, because that's important to the way that we are coaching methodology. Honoring what's here now, the way I am, and you're sort of even offering honoring that you got here you know, through a system of some sort and whether right. you, you, you liked or didn't like or your father or mother was, was nice to you or not, they were your parents and you're part of them. So yeah, they're making a, that connection is important and you're even allowing it to be in the larger context. You know, you were born into a race or a place or a time or, you know, and yeah, the, 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 our current, uh, uh, you know, socioeconomic world is, uh, I mean, we could argue that it's not designed very well, but you could also argue that it's designed perfectly to offer us a lot of opportunities <laughs> to grow and heal. And what you're describing in this context is that, that coming to, to a healthy relationship that will impact the, your ability to be successful in your business as a healer. And it's often overlooked. 
Yes, if, if we stay either in resistance to it or in some kind of fantasy about it, um, neither of those polls tend to lead to great success for folks like us. Um, it, it can kind of work for some other types of people. That's without any judgment. Um, it's just it, we are who we are. Um, and uh, my experience is that when we can find a good place with these things and then really own our values to really sit back and say, what's important to me? What's enough for me? What do I want to have in my life? Do I want a really simple life? Do I want to be able to travel a lot without judgment to be able to say, these are my goals and this is what I would like mm -hmm. um, in alignment with, with um, uh, having a good place in the world. It's interesting because that idea of having enough actually goes counter to often the way business development coaches pitch business right. and the sell for to get people into you know business classes often are you not you know you can look how much you can make and look at how abundant you can be but that doesn't necessarily make much room for is that what I really want yeah and I find again that that approach works for a very small percentage of people who tend to do very well, mm. very, very well yeah. with that kind of an approach. And the rest of us, this was certainly true of me to make it personal again, going to these kinds of events and, and feeling instead of hopeful and opti like, wow, look what's possible, which is kind of what's intended. Um, I would feel, oh, I can't have that. That's too difficult. Uh, that's for everyone but me. And again, what I used to say is what's wrong with my success mindset? Yeah, and it, that's, and it's, that's a tragic conclusion to come to. Right. It really is. It's like, really, I needed to sit back and go, that's not for me. That's not my way forward in my business. Oh, yeah. No, I appreciate it. That's really important. So coming to terms of who I really am. So heart-based business is one that I'm doing what's really important to me and I feel connected and I'm honoring my way. Right. And then I have to begin to, uh, you know, start to be more discerning about what's going to work and not work in terms of how I resonate with the options. As you said, there's lots of different things I can do. Right. So how do I start to figure out which ones that I can do or what, what you know, what, how does one go about sort of learning to accept what I'm, what I'm good at and let go of what I'm not good at? Right. Well, um, here's just a little bit of instruction for people. The way I like to simplify business, because it is overwhelming. Mm -hmm. It's not just the, the myriad ways to market, but the, the tons of business apps. Which ones do I need? Um, do I need the latest um, piece of technology? Uh, there's, there's always, you know, what niche should I choose? Mm. Ah! <laughs> um, and so I like to simplify it. There are four things in business you need. Only four. Ah, that's simple. You need um, an identity or a brand or a niche. Yeah. You need um, some marketing, two or three things. Two or three things, that's it. They're probably things you're doing already. You spend a lot of time on Facebook, Facebook is gonna be one of your two or three things. Are you a writer? Writing is gonna be one of your two or three things. You like video? Video is gonna be one of your two or three things. You like hanging out with people like Joel does? You know, one-on-ones is gonna be one of your two or three things. Um, 
uh, infrastructure, the support of your business. So you're paying your taxes and you're tracking your information and you're talking to people in a prompt way. Um, and then the uh, last one is, and I'm having a funny blank in my brain, marketing. Oh, your services, duh, your services. Um, and in the beginning, one or two, keep them simple. Keep it simple, yeah. And, and so at any given time, so again, um, your niche or your brand, marketing, your infrastructure, and your, uh, off, your offers, uh, you want to be asking, do, do, am I kind of tending to these four with one or two ways? That's it. Mm -hmm. And again, you do it in the way that you um, are attracted. This is what I want to do. I like to teach. I don't like to teach. I like being one-on-one -on -one with people. I want to be in groups, whatever it is, yeah, for offers. Um, and then here's the other really big thing about business. In NLP, there's a wonderful presupposition called um, feedback, not failure. This is a really hard one for people in business to learn because you've got to do things terribly from time to time. To have the workshop that doesn't enroll, the newsletter that goes out with the incorrect time, um, the event you thought you planned beautifully, but no one wants to go to, uh, all, all these kinds of things. And instead of saying, look at, I failed, um, like, what can I learn from this? What can I learn from this experience that I can take going forward? If we can develop that kind of very simple level resilience, because business is highs and lows, it's not, it's not a straight line. It's got, it's got times where it's really going easy and then there's nobody it's always on the high and going up. It's just, it's not the way being in business is. It, it's, it's this kind of a thing. And developing a sort of a basic resilience and rapport with that kind of up and down and experience and, and being willing to be a learner mm -hmm. and being kind of excited about learning after you, you know, you pick yourself up and, you know, you do whatever you do to take care of yourself after something that didn't work, but eventually to have a certain kind of resilience, this is your ticket in business. Mm -hmm. um, and, and to just keep on showing up for your business. And what I appreciate about that, which is actually because, you know, I mean, I train a lot of healers is, is the initial focus is, is the, for, the last one, my services. I'm going to learn to do it. And that's a really important piece, right? You know, you have to learn how to do what you do and you have to be good. And that takes a big devotion of life. And that was often the big motivator. But then comes this period of I re recognize that you have to kind of put energy regularly into all four of those buckets. And it's necessary to actually kind of find what you can like about all those buckets, right? Like if you really don't like doing your numbers, then it's probably worth having a bookkeeper or somebody do your numbers for you so that you can feel good about the numbers. Even if the numbers don't tell you what you want to say, it's like if you're going crazy, <laughs> don't do it. But you need to have the numbers, right? That needs to flow. Mm -hmm. So there is really that is, I mean, I've been, you know, I've been doing what, I, what I've been doing for 28 years. So I've gotten pretty com comfortable thinking about it. And I remember when I used to just look at my hours in terms of numbers of sessions I was doing. And guess what? It's a lot more than that in a lot of ways. So I appreciate that, those recognizing those buckets and then learning to be comfortable with them is important. And still see, I mean, if we're going heart-based, it seems to me that seeing those are still all in service of my, uh, my desire to be of service and to be, you know, 
paid well, reimbursed for that service. So it's still heart-based in that way. And that's something that uh, we can get lost in the marketing really easily. Yeah, and, and there's a couple of other things in there I find tend to be really helpful for people. Um, as you look at those buckets, do whatever you can to make them friendlier. Like you say, get the bookkeeper. Or, you know, if you're hating sitting down and doing your to-do list, maybe you need a plant or a stuffed animal on your desk. You know, <laughs> you know what can you do to warm up? I, I um, had my uh, sort of home office in the wrong spot for about five years. I have this gorgeous apartment with all these windows, and I had chosen the only place in the apartment where I could look out the windows. And I finally got some friends in and I said, you have to move all this. You just, you have to figure out how I can sit at my desk and enjoy this beautiful environment I get to be in. Mm -hmm. um, so making things like um, warmer, friendlier, easier, um, the music, whatever it is. And then the other thing that I tell people all the time is good enough. Good enough. Good enough. Good enough. Good enough. Right now I'm going through a website redesign. <laughs> ah, little tip. You're going to go through a website redesign every three or four years. Guaranteed. It's just part, don't consider it a failure or anything. It's just part of it. You learn these things as you go through. I'm going through my website redesign. And um, I'm working on my free gifts and my videos and stuff like that. Uh, and, and I'm so stuck. And then yesterday I just went, oh, what would be good enough? Mm. And the free gift just came out. Mm. And would I like it to be a, a, a more excellent product in a few months when I can kind of sit with all this? You bet. Um, we should be all about increasing the excellence of what we do both for ourselves and for our clients mm -hmm. but um good enough is really really important and figuring out where that line of good enough is right no absolutely and but, but the first one is real is one of the things that for, for me uh, i noticed in the earlier stages there was a way in which you know i wanted to get my sessions done and i wanted to you know make the output was the way to make money and then there was this interesting moment, actually, when I became a coach rather than an integrated physician, where I actually allowed the sessions to go longer because I was less, I was more relaxed. I allowed myself more time in between sessions because I actually need it. Mm -hmm. And I actually allow, uh, you know, like I actually offer my, my clients tea and allow, and it's amazing. <laughs> I like the tea, but it, it, we're drinking tea and there's something. So it really was, you know, I say this all the time. It seems like you, you might not, you spend more time, but you actually come through your experience of working and you feel better. And that translates into a lot of good business sense. Right. And that, so that was the first one. I mean, I appreciate the second one, but doing that kind of stuff is something that we forget because we're busy trying to get our outputs going. Yeah, I love that. Um, and again, it's about, we're usually an organization of one. You're not, you have a large organization, but if we're an organization of one, still be a learning organization. I really believe in that. Um, and, you know, a, a different coach could have a, like a different learning about what you figured out about yourself. They might have been going long on sessions and giving too much tea away. 
and finding out that they had no boundaries. Mm -hmm. And what they needed to do was tighten things up a little bit so that they could clarify their relationships with their clients. Mm -hmm. So it's not that there's one learning, it's finding out the right way for you. So how do you facilitate me finding out or a client, someone finding out? I mean, often, I mean, you've been doing this for a while. You know, you're giving us generalized, you know, wonderful examples. But, you know, what are, uh, you know, is there a process that you take people through? There is. Um, and thanks for asking that. Um, a, a little moment of, of explanation here to help people for a moment. I, I like to think there are only three kinds of problems in life generally, but in business specifically. And a big part of what I do is help people identify which problem and then walk them through solving it. So the first one is just a problem of learning or development. Uh, I don't know how to make a website, so I need to learn how to make one. Um, or I'm a beginner and so I'm feeling nervous, but later on I won't feel nervous. So it's, it's just a developmental issue. The second kind of problem is the one that I already referred to earlier, which is our issues of um, problems of misalignment. Mm -hmm. When I'm trying to make myself do something that's actually not in alignment with who I am um, or not in alignment with who I'm growing into. Um, and then the third one are what I call healing issues, which by the way, um, being self-employed is the best personal growth program in the universe. <laughs> <laughs> It will send you into all your stuff um, about being visible, about having value, about being out there, about, you know, am I lovable? Am I likable? It's just going to throw you into all that stuff, which is great. Um, but we don't want it to shut you down. We want you to be able to keep moving as these issues arise. Mm -hmm. So what I do is people will come to me with a problem. I'm procrastinating on the website is a common one. Or, um, you know, I keep on offering discounts to clients, even though I shouldn't, or, you know, pricing is often a, a big um, gremlin for a lot of people. Um, or I won't market because I don't want to be seen. And, um, and then I take them through a process in which we discover, is there something they need to learn? Is there something out of alignment? Or is there something they need some healing around? Mm, I like that. And then... If they need some learning, then we figure out how to get the learning or, or to purchase the surface, like getting the bookkeeper. That's another way to do it. Um, if it's an alignment issue, almost as soon as we name it, it's, it's, it, 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 that almost fixes it by itself. They may, may have to go off and do their practices, right. but, but noticing a misalignment is usually enough to get them to go, wow, I need to stop doing it that way. Right. <laughs> and then the third one that's when my NLP and my family constellations work comes into play because I integrate that into the business coaching work that I do. Mm -hmm. So that when, and it's not if, it's when we hit those healing issues, mm -hmm. we actually have a set of resources for dealing with them as they come up. Mm -hmm. So if there's something about the fact that dad died when I was five or something about the fact that I have a history of slavery or, or, you know, something along the, the divorce of my parents that's relevant to this thing that's not working well in my business, we can do the healing work. And the nice thing about NLP and family constellations is they are both incredibly powerful modalities. And they're not miracle cures. I don't believe in miracle cures, but they do tend to powerfully move people forward pretty quickly um, so that they can keep riding the roller coaster. 
um, in a way that feels good. Well, so that, that, that of course, so we, I asked you what family constellations were, you, you, you get a moment to explain NLP briefly as well, because we're using it, and I'm not sure everybody knows. Sure, sure, sure. So, um, uh, neurolinguistic programming and family constellations, what they have in common, um, as a bunch of modalities like EFT and other modalities do, is that they address um, the unconscious rather than the conscious issues. Mm -hmm. um, and so, when we're in our own way, we're quote unquote self sabotaging. It's an unconscious thing. Mm -hmm. um, Neurolinguistic programming is just one approach to this that um, tends to be very, very good for revising the meanings we create unconsciously in childhood. Mm. So um, family constellations is a little bit more about the larger family system mm -hmm. and transgenerational, um, but in terms of um, uh, traumas or imprinting moments in childhood, NLP is very, very good at revising the meanings that get stuck in those moments um, so that we can basically get the memo that they're all over and we're doing better now. <laughs> well, but, but the, the underlying premise is, is that I'm not always in control of all the choices that I'm making, right? And that the organism, I'm a big, these days I'm a big fan of a, of a, of a psychologist and Nobel Prize winner named Daniel Kahneman who called his language is thinking fast and thinking slow, system one and system two. And he, and he really does spends a considerable amount of time talking about how there's lots of what we do that we're not thinking about. Which is good. Of, which is, thank goodness, like you could, how yeah. could you drive home if you could not think about it? Um, <laughs> or eating or drinking or things like that. But it shows up in our decision making and our habits and gets in the way of healthy living at times. Right, so there's ways in which we have to become aware of things or rewire. You just described it as as a as as, as a, I love the language as as giving you a different resource or resourcing, so that when this trigger comes in and my automatic response is not a healthy one, I can do something different. Right, and I had to practice, I had to learn it, or I had to spend some time figuring it out. Or that's what I, to me, I hear NLP does that particular maneuver really well well and the nice thing about nlp is that um there's doesn't tend to be a lot of, of conscious learning process mm -hmm. um, the meaning can just be different mm -hmm. so that going forward whatever out of date meaning had been like i'm worthless or life is hard is another one that run people run into um we can just sort of update that at the unconscious level and then when you go off to do your website, you can just do your website, right? You know, whatever it is that you need to do. Um, or you, you need to go to this networking event and you can just go off and do it. Um, and, and there might be a certain amount of turbulence. I mean, there's always like, this is new. I've never done it before. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Which is, you know, we, becomes tolerable in a sense. Right. Um, when we can give the childhood experience a a warmer, easier, and friendlier meaning, in an un held in an unconscious kind of way. Yeah. Yeah. It's um. Well, that's an important piece because yeah, just making that shift unconscious is an important step, but then it still has to go through an enacting mm -hmm. piece or an enacting kind of process. So um. So what I'm hearing then is is that when you have all these uh, marvelous business skills and you're helping people, you know, kind of 
identify these buckets and where's the charge and where are the imbalances. At the same time, you have these other skills that come into play that we'll call it conventional business coaching and business development often doesn't have these kind of magic tricks. And in a way, what, what's magical about them is that you're able to offer uh, element, work with a client in not necessarily all a volitional conscious way. There's other stuff going on. That seems to be a theme of, of what's coming up here. And I think that's a really important for, I mean, that's not for all everyone, not everyone's gonna resonate with that, but often the types of, of uh, practitioners that, that you're attracted to you and you're talking about, that makes a lot of sense, that there's mm -hmm. more going on here than just, right. you know, having some kind of, you know, issue with money, so to speak, or not being good at, at uh, you know, SEO style marketing. It's, it's a bigger, <laughs> a bigger piece. So I, I, I would imagine, or, or, or I, I, if it's, it would seem like there's, um, there's a way in which this, it, it helps people feel like they can be more in line with what they want to see happen and be more successful. So you kind of get both. Right, so you're like the perfect coach for this marketplace. Oh, thank you, thank you. I, I, the, the first thing I wanna do for everybody who's listening is just give you all a big break. And that's really, I just want us to have a friendlier relationship with the fact that building a business is hard. You have to roll up your sleeves and do the work. It requires action steps and, and doing these four things and um, we'll run into our stuff. Um, but it can be a whole lot more fun than, um, than, than for many of us it has been up until now. And it can be really, really useful. That the format that I usually work in with people is I do six-month um, private one-on-one -on -one coaching programs with people. Very high touch. Really, uh, this is not a home study kind of a program. And um, to be able to go back and forth between those three ways of looking at the business, you know, what is there something about business you need to learn? And let's learn that. When is there something spiritual and about alignment at stake? And when is there something that needs to be healing going on? Um, for a lot of people, the, the folks for whom this is the best fit for are often sort of beginners. You know, they're, they're, they're either sort of at the beginning or they've been doing it for a year or two and it still feels like they're beginning. Um, and for people who maybe have gotten to a certain place, but it's plateaued and they're really stuck and they can't figure out how to move to uh, the income goals that they really have for themselves. Right. Right. That makes sense. And that's good. But, you know, I imagine that there's more seasoned practitioners who come in for to you, you know, as well, right? There's a way in which, you know, I mean, I was just thinking about, I was actually thinking about listening to you as like, the, the big crisis, it's not a business problem, but I'm, I, I'm singing in bands right now and I have a really hard time memorizing the songs, right? And it's definitely a story that has to do with the way that, I, you know, a lot of people tell me I couldn't sing and there's overcoming singing and I can, I sing really nicely, but I can't remember the words. <laughs> and I, I, you know, and I bet NLP would be a really great, way of helping me not have to work so hard. I mean, I work really hard at it and then I get up there and it's, it only takes one second. to like, oh. the next verse is gone. <laughs> not a lot of time to find it when it comes to singing, but you know, so maybe when we're done, we can, we will do yeah. that. Well, that, that just um, refers to what you were talking about before about unconscious patterning. It's like that. It's not, it's not anything you need to think about. It's just there. 
instantly. And yes, for anyone who has, um, if they don't have business issues per se, but they have other things that they want to work on, I still have a long client list and people I work with in my private practice in Oakland. And also via Skype at a distance, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Nice. Well, good. Well, thank you. I think it's really, you know, I mean, so where else can, can we go with this conversation in terms of, um, I mean, in a way, what I also hear is that there's a lot of emotionality. Like when I look through your blogs and things like that, you describe folks, you know, there's a lot of feeling that shows up when I'm dealing with my business that uh, can be a challenge that you're comfortable working with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if you're self-employed, well, it's true of other employment as well. Um, you know, wherever you're employed, it's a big part of your life. And so if you're struggling with the, the coworker or the boss who you're having a hard time with, it feels like your life because it, because it is. Um, and so that's just kind of heightened for people who are self-employed because now it's like, uh, no one else is responsible for me bringing in the money, but me, that's it. You know, I, I can't just show up day to day and be handed a check. Um, there's no formal process for being fired. <laughs> um, and so for most people, the impression is that that raises the stakes. And that's completely understandable, which therefore often raises um, the emotionality. Also for people like us who are heart-based practitioners, again, it's like an artist or a poet or a musician this is something we really care about mm, right. um and and we hope that for everybody who's employed in whatever jobs that they have um but we've all had jobs where oh, we didn't care too much about what was going on um but this is just this is um unassailable mm. and so that's why so many of our personal patterns start to show up. Um, just a good for instance, um, many people in the coaching uh, services do free consultations. It's a very common uh, way to, uh, you know, create a big funnel for people to get to know you and your business. It's a good way to do it. Um, and a lot of people struggle with those consultations, just tremendously struggle with it. Because they're on the phone. They're, they're managing so many personal issues as they're on the phone. And it could be, if I don't do this well enough, will I be loved? Will I be cared for? Will I be valued? This may be very unconscious, of course. Um, will I offend them when I say the price? Will I make them angry? Uh, I mean, the stakes are insanely high. Um, particularly if we're unconsciously projecting relationships with parents onto the conversation, things like that. So what in, in that kind of an instance, what I would do with someone is figure out how to pull out all of the stuff that has nothing to do with this phone call mm -hmm. and deal with that in it in its on its own sort of merits. Mm -hmm. So that this consultation could just be a consultation between two people one person who has some very fine services to offer and the other person who has some needs and would like to pay to get some help. And that's, it's just an exchange between two people that's of great dignity. Mm -hmm. 
and well, as well as it actually is perfectly to the next question because as well as they're checking you out and they may not know what you actually do, right? So, which is the, the question I was going to ask is, is how much do you think it has to, can, how much influence is, is the fact that often alternative practitioners are doing something that's not mainstream? It's not something the client, like, you know, people say to me often, it's like, well, I didn't really know what was going to happen. You know, and I was like, you know what, I'll just tell you one thing. Most everybody doesn't really know what's going to happen, with what I'm going to do. I can't even explain it very well. I mean, I give these little, you know, this is what we're going to do kind of conversations. But in the end, when they actually do it, they go, wow, that was not what I expected because it's different. Right. It really is. So a lot of that conversation you're describing is also about I'm checking you out and it may be that at the after listening to you talk about it, like, oh, I don't want you to put needles in me, or I don't want to do that, or, mm -hmm. you know, but that shows up often in this clientele. So how, what kind of influence do you see that as having to do with this clientele of heart-based practitioners? Yeah, um, at this point in time, I quote my beloved um, friend, Mark Silver, who says 90% of marketing problems can solve, be solved by being honest. <laughs> um, and so there's, there's two aspects to this that I, I, I kind of want to bring in that can be very, very helpful. Um, the first one is um, we do need to find a way to talk about what we do in language that clients can understand. Mm -hmm. This is just not an option. We have to figure this out. We have to move out of our own, you know, sort of space about what we do and the language we give it and step into the client and how do they experience their problem and how do they experience your potential help for them. Um, this is usually a process. It's not something you usually figure out right up front. It can take a little while and that's fine, mm -hmm. um, but we do need to reach for it. Uh, if we're expecting the client to understand us from our point of view, we're gonna have a lot fewer clients. That's just, that's just a reality. So we really do need to find a way, if, if, if our work involves needles, we probably just kind of want to say, yeah, needles sound kind of wacky. And here's why they're not so wacky. Exactly. And just be really kind of straightforward about it. Um, the, the other thing is um, uh, for these kinds of people, we want to... Um, try and invite them into uh, your, your way of doing the work a little bit. Um, I'm trying to come up with a good example of this. Um, and actually, I've, to be honest, I've lost my train of, of, of thought on this because I had a second, second thing I wanted to underline here that I could probably come back to in just a second, but I've lost my train of thought. Mm -hmm. Um, well, it, yeah, it's, it, it, we, were, we were talking about, you know, it's interesting. I thought you were going to gonna go somewhere different with it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it they to, and then you got lost. There, there is a way. I just want the comment I was going to make about, about explaining it, that takes practice often. It really does yes. practice doing It's not a pitch. It's just being honest. This is what I do. I mean, I'm a homeopath. You know, and so it's like, so what am I, people, well, what are the remedies? Okay, well, I got to get a good experience, uh, explanation of the remedies. It's got to be easy, quick, and I got to understand it. And luckily, I've tried now about 10,000 times, and so I do it pretty well. Yeah, and I just, I, I, I refound the other thread, yep, um, which is that um, when you're in the healing arts, um, 
we have to be really, really honest with people about the fact that these are nonlinear practices mm -hmm. and we can't guarantee results. Yes. This is right. not the same as giving penicillin for strep throat mm -hmm. um, or putting a cast on a broken leg. Mm -hmm. And we respect our client when we um, admit this to them and they say back to us, oh yeah, yeah, I know that. And then what we can, so this is usually what I just say straightforwardly to people, you know, this is a nonlinear healing practice. I don't know exactly what kind of an outcome you're going to have with this. Um, but here are some of the potential outcomes I've seen in situations like yours. And then I'll give two or three that I can be really honest about and really clear about. Um, and then I'll say something like, and if this conversation has felt really good to you, if I feel like a good match for you, uh, I'm going to invite you to give me a try because I think I can help you out with this. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and to be in really good, because this is often something that tricks people up on the early end when they're just learning how to do these consultations. is like, I can't guarantee results. What do I do with that? Uh, and again, the main thing we can be is just honest about it. Mm -hmm. And again, appeal to the client who kind of knows that. They know. Right. I mean, they've been to therapists and it hasn't worked, or they've been to doctors and it didn't work, but they, they didn't like blame anyone for that. They, they understand these are nonlinear processes. Mm -hmm. No, I think that's really important, and I'm glad you said that. But the last thing you said was you're inviting them to, to, to if they like, to work with you, but you described it in a way as if this feels right. So there's that resonance piece as well. And so I, I think, a, I mean, you know, I get a lot of calls, and, you know, a certain percentage of them become clients, and other percentages don't. And to me, it's like I don't, I'm, I don't, I'm not. It's not a basketball game or football. Maybe it is a basketball game because you know no one ever makes more than fifty percent of the shots in a basketball game, right? So it's not vital. I see it as checking me me out. I mean, I've been doing it for a long time, so I have you know I'm not I'm not like you know hanging on. Do I need another client in that way? But there's a way in which showing that respect to the person who's doing the inquiry is really really important. Which is I think I can help you, and I understand that. You, you don't know whether this is what you want. So think about it. Call me and I'll talk to you about it again. You know, give them that space. And that's, it. that's important, but to feel comfortable with it, which is yeah. what I hear you saying. So being comfortable with yourself. And I go back to my comment before, this does take a bit of practice, right? You know, being comfortable with it and, and just simply having those conversations. Once again, that's why I like doing conversations. It's a, it's it's a key thing. Um, do you have favorite ways of communicating? I mean, what are you, what are your uh, what are your marketing uh, strengths? Um, I am a, a, a Facebook addict, mm -hmm. so <laughs> I use Facebook a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and and um, for those of you who are into Facebook, um, don't just stick with your own page and your own profile. Find groups and become active in them, and don't just be a promoter. Engage. Um, one of the other things that I do with business for heart-based people is I do lots of reframes on business. Um, and marketing isn't about getting someone to buy. Marketing is about um, building a relationship and offering value. Mm -hmm. And most of us could go, oh, that sounds like fun, right? So, so on Facebook, you want to make sure you're offering value and building relationships above all. You, it's not just about putting out offers all the time. So Facebook is a big one for me. 
Um, I'm very attentive to my newsletter and my email list. Uh, and so I, I'm a writer. I like doing my articles and I do a lot of that as well. And then, as you know, I uh, also have regular gatherings. They're called family constellation gatherings. Uh, and although um, the people who come to have work done for them pay for that, everyone else can just attend for $5. So it's a really low bar event for people to just come and check me out. Um, so those are, those are some of the top ways uh, that I get myself out there. I also am very intentional these days. And, and, and what you do changes over the developmental life of your business, which is just fine. Um, at this stage in my business, I'm spending a lot of time cultivating relationships with leaders in my field and building those relationships uh, so that um, other kinds of relationships and opportunities can arise out of those. Mm, nice. Well, that makes sense. Well, I appreciate that last one because then that, that, that's doing events, public speaking, and you described the way that people can come and in a, check you out and get a sense of whether they feel comfortable with you and see what you're doing, right? I mean, not everybody gets to do that if you're an acupuncturist or massage therapist. You don't really get to do it, but actually that's one of the reasons why uh, folks like to have booths at things like the Solano Stroll or a public event because, and it's just that you get to check the person out. Yeah. Um, have a relationship with it and do it, you know, and so doing talks, public talks, things like that are, are is it, 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 so there's a, you just named three different areas and then you all on the last one you just described. Well, the other thing, what I hear that last piece is that it changes over time without a doubt, right? You know, you find that you get fatigued at doing something or you like doing other pieces and that's a really important piece. So I bet yeah. you. I didn't do video for years, and now I've been doing a fair bit of video. I've I found that I really enjoy it. So there's a, there there can be a time for something that uh, there wasn't a time for before. Mm. That's nice. Well, it's gotten pretty easy to do video <laughs> at this stage. Actually, if you listen to the demographics of it and you look at the millennials versus the older generations, like, I think it's like uh, 60 to 70 percent of the millennials and below are comfortable self-authoring on video. Mm. Right? That's the term that in the language, whereas you get to like, you know, the 50s and 60s, it's like, I don't want anybody to see me. So there's a whole way in which getting comfortable with that is, is important. So you did mention family constellations again, you know, and so it's a good time because we're getting near the end of the call to just, you know, your work's evolving now and you are a leader in the, are you becoming or are a leader and are a leader in the field. So tell us a little bit of how that work is evolving for you and where you're going. Yeah, and this is probably some of the people listening are, are, you know, they're thinking about becoming trainers or teachers in their modality. Um, that's kind of what's happening to me. Last fall, I was co-direct. There's a, there's a conference in the U.S. that's every other year for this modality, uh, Family Constellations. And uh, I was the co-director for that in San Diego last year. Uh, which was a lot, you know, th this is, this is marketing. This is part of, you know, growing your work. I decided to take on a large volunteer role doing this co-directing and it certainly changed my stature in the world of that modality. Um, and since then I've continued to pursue opportunities internationally. Um, I'm now uh, about to be on the board of the International Systemic Constellations Association, and I'm traveling and presenting at their event in Croatia next month. 
and my own personal business is going to, uh, it's going to continue to include the business growth work. I really want to underline this because it, it's, it's a very important part of what I do because it drives me nuts when folks like us get trained really well in a modality and then we can't thrive in it. Um, and I think it's part of the transformation of the world that there are people with high business ethics succeeding and doing well in our economy and being job creators. That's what we are. We're job creators. This is a good thing. Um, but I'm going to be shifting more and more to doing training for family constellations uh, and helping those people not only gain the skills to do that very beautiful intergenerational work, uh, but also to thrive and be well in it and to have the business capacities to really succeed. And I'll continue to see other alternative practitioners as well um, who, who need that kind of help. Nice. And it doesn't mean you're not going to work with, you know, hard-paced business development. It's just this is where your work is going. And, and, uh, it's, uh, it's and that's what happens when you're self-employed is that, again, every three or four years, usually there's some transformation. It can be a small one. It can be a bigger one. But it is part of being self-employed. It just happens quite organically. Right. And thank goodness for that. It keeps us, uh, keeps us on our toes. And it also makes life interesting. And sometimes it's hard to see because we're so focused on succeeding and getting over this particular hill or this particular mountain. And guess what? You're just, you're in the front range of a whole long journey or we all are. Mm -hmm. So well, we, I think we've spent actually close to an hour. So I, I had a feeling we were going to have an easy time having a conversation. So <clears throat> thank you for, for, for taking the time, Leslie, for sharing your work. And, and I really think that, um, you know, what, what, comes a clear, what comes across from listening to you talk is that, I mean, there is work to be done to be successful in business if you're a heart-based practitioner, but it doesn't have to be, you know, tense and hard. It can be something about opening up to it and having it, you know, be something that can, where does it resonate with you? Where are your, where, where, where can you put your love into your business growth to be successful? And so I noticed the energetic quality that you bring to it is quite lovely. And I bet you've helped a lot of people. Thank you. And thank you for having me here. I uh, really love the work that you're doing, um, helping health coaches and others to really thrive in their work and be resourced. So thank you for inviting me on. It's been fun. You're very welcome. So I want to thank everyone for listening to the future of health coaching online. And uh, we look forward to seeing you next month. Thanks.